Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. And uh, I've had the opportunity actually to chat for quite a while with my new guest, Jamie Finley, here before we started recording. But thank you, Jamie, for making time for the Boca Podcast today. You are welcome. I'm really excited. Well, and we had actually jumped on the phone, I think once before, maybe twice before um, our conversation today. Uh, we've had the opportunity, Photographer's Edit has had the opportunity to be involved already in a conference, a workshop, a community ultimately uh, called Evolve that you are, well, you started ultimately, right? I did. Yeah. So I, I founded, I'm the founder and CEO of Evolve, which is an international educational company for creatives. And so that started about five and a half years ago which is what you've gotten to be a part of, I think, starting with our last conference in Palm Springs last year. Well, and one of the, the things that I have loved off the bat being involved in this conference is the priority that you place on a more dynamic involve, involvement of sponsors. I mean, for those of you listening in, photographers you've been that have been to photography conferences or workshops, if you ever see sponsors there, a lot of times it's just um, somebody has a booth or a table and they're standing there and they're handing out business cards and it feels a little bit cold and impersonal. And um, I, I, I'm just, that's not me. Uh, and most people that listen to the podcast know I, I like to have a conversation and I want to develop at least the beginnings of a relationship. And um, I love the fact that you've prioritized, Jamie, at Evolve, a more dynamic, a bit more natural involvement of the sponsors and the conferences. And so um, I'm glad to be a part of it for that of multiple reasons. But um, this is really a a great segue into my first question usually on the podcast, which has to do with brand position. Um, You're also a photographer, and I'm going to give you a chance here in just a second to kind of give a little bit of background of your photography business as well. But let's talk about Evolve first, a workshop, a conference. Uh, You and I were talking before we started recording about the fact that there are so many conferences and workshops in our industry right now. And so naturally, having a distinct brand position enables you or potentially enables you to stand out amidst that noise, if you will, the, the, the variety of conferences. What would you say Evolve's brand position is? Right. So, you know, like I said, Brent, our brand position, we've been around for a really long time and we started as a community-based company and we still are a community-based company. So we're always striving to find really tangible, great educators because we want people to leave with not just notebooks full of of things that they've learned during that time, but for them to actually have things that they can apply in that moment and leave with. But almost more importantly than that, Evolve has always been known as a community-based company. And so we really focus on fostering that connection well past the time that you're there at the actual event. And that's something you and I have talked about as far as vendors. That's the same approach we have to vendors is we want them to be, have so many different touch points prior to ever arriving that they know Nathan, that they know Photographer's Edit, that 
you've already had that conversation. It's not a cold transactional thing. And we think of that very much the same way with Evolve. I don't want a cold transactional ticket purchase. We want somebody who wants to be a part of the community. And that's always set us apart, even though more and more can kind of keep filtering into our community awareness. Yeah. So, so focus on relationships, even more specifically on, on community as a whole, which can have a massive impact on multiple levels. We, we, we want as photographers, sole proprietors, people many times working from a home or an office on our own, we need, we don't just want it. We need that, that community. In fact, a lot of so-called introverted photographers, as is very common to say these days, uh, they may even need it more than they, they realize uh, many times. And I, I think it's important to be able to have at least one, maybe even two or three communities that we can latch on to become a part of. And part of becoming a part of that community is getting involved in the conversations virtually or in person. And um, so I, I like that that's a priority for Evolve. But let's talk about your photography business as well. First of all, sure. how long have you been a photographer and what market are you based in? Well, so I've been a photographer since I was a 13 year old trying to pretend I was going to shoot for a magazine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I've been a photographer a long time, but I owned a clothing company for seven years and I actually was a commercial photographer. And so about, about seven years ago now, I transitioned into doing photography full-time, sold my business, went totally in, um, started with commercial because that's where my realm already was. I still do some commercial did a little family to try to better my business. And now most of my work is I am known for doing lifestyle editorial and I do that with destination weddings. Um, so that's the big core of who I am, which is kind of unique. A lot of people don't do lifestyle editorial, but my love for magazines and my love for wedding photography and romance have kind of merged and created a different type of stance, I guess. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually on the homepage of your your website, jamiefinleyphotography.com. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes for our listeners. Uh, but there is an interesting combination of editorial, um, I mean, almost journalism, if you will, that that is quite distinct. Actually, I mean, I, I see a lot of photography. I look through a lot of Instagram profiles, especially doing the podcast. And I do feel like I'm looking at something that is a little bit different as far as the photographic style is concerned. And this is great for a, a potential client coming to the site to see your work, to see something that's distinct. But beyond that, and I don't see a lot of text, which actually in some ways is, a lot, is quite refreshing. But how do you communicate to a potential client how you're different than other photographers? You know, and this is like any business you have. The longer you're in business, I think people naturally are following you. There's that client journey we're all aware of and all the different touch points they have before they actually make it to my website. So I feel like a lot of them know before they get there who I am and what they're going to get. But for me, the most important is having that conversation with them and making sure they understand like my style is different. There is the mix of lifestyle and journalism, but there are these editorial moments that we will create for you. And so if I'm not clear in my communication, that could go horribly wrong because I am very different as far as a wedding photographer and the way that I like to tell a story. But I haven't run into any problems with it yet. Let, knock on wood. It's been seven years and I've had a lot of happy clients with it. But it is different and it's fun. And it it's exciting for me when I have clients that come to me and want to do something that's a little different. That allow me that creative freedom to think as if it were going into a magazine. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. I mean, seven years this is a good chunk of time and certainly beyond, uh, you know, some of that, the, the stereotypical period where 
many businesses tend to shut down. So you've, you've moved beyond that. Not only that, now you've also had the opportunity to create a community and, and a series of workshops or conferences. What, what has been one of the most important lessons that you've learned as a photographer? Like if you had literally 15 seconds, you're in an elevator or something comparable, and you had the chance just very quickly to share with a photographer, fellow photographer, entrepreneur, the most important lesson to you, what would that be? Well, I have 15 years of running many businesses, selling many businesses, but I would say the very first thing that popped to my mind was like, you don't have to stand on your island and die alone. And when I transitioned into creative photography, and what I mean by that is that I would take photos alone. I was with a client alone. I got trapped in this mental belief that became my physical scenario that everything I did was alone, you know, and being alone is overwhelming. And you don't always know if you're doing things right. You don't know how to scale. You don't know how to spend your time. And community connection is really what changes the industry. That's how Evolve was created because I did stand on my own island as a photographer for a while, totally alone, and realized I was not getting the traction and I wasn't feeling fulfilled in the same way I had with other businesses I owned. And so Evolve was created literally with me asking one person to come spend time with me, please spend time with me. Do you want to go shoot? I want to know somebody else. I want to have an open dialogue conversation with you about what's working and what's not working. And from there it became what it is today. But I think a lot of creatives think they have to stand and die on this Island and they don't. Why do you think that that is? I mean, is is there, there's, there's a lot of conversation and I'm, my listeners know I'm a little bit obsessed with, with this topic as of late that the tendency to claim introversion, uh, which I think is a loaded topic and a conversation in and of itself. But outside of that, what are the other reasons why creatives or maybe photographers specifically tend to kind of be loners? You know, I think a lot of it is self-inflicted and you're right. That is totally a loaded question um, of this, you know, where the, pained artist, we have to struggle to get through things. And I I do think that's one of the things that separated me. Like you said, I've been in business so long. I had come from a business to create another business. So photography for me, right off the bat was a business that was based around revenue and ROI and how I could scale. Most creatives come into it for a love for photography. And so I think they lose sight of, of what they're actually working towards that they are trying to create a career that is going to hopefully last decades, not two years, not six months, but decades. And so they come into it alone. This is me. This is my artwork. I'm going to create it. And they, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. They stand on this island without realizing that they've cut themselves off from the things that actually are fulfilling you're right. It is very much a loaded question. I don't know how much I want to go and dive into that. Come on, that be a little controversial. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to keep my mouth shut, but I, you're right. That is kind of a, it's a precipice we've kind of set. Same with like these old photography myths of you set your pricing the first of every year. And we're not going to talk about pricing today, but that is a soapbox that I could stand on and never get off of. But there are kind of these like preset ideas of what being a creative has to be and they're not accurate they're they don't have to be accurate Mm. you can change that yeah there's a certain irony and and the fact that there is a tendency that we have to despite uh, an almost obsession in our culture right now of standing out as quote unique you know beautifully unique that at the same time, we tend to way, way, way oversimplify or oversimplify things and, and grasp a hold of these ultra-simplistic labels. And, and this carries over into politics or, or otherwise. 
we, we just grab onto this word and that's it. And this one thing represents us. And it's such a limited approach to business and life because we, we essentially frame ourselves within this tiny little box or structure and limit our ability to be able to grow as individuals, as business owners or otherwise. And um, so I think we need to keep an open mind and you're right. We'll, we'll kind of leave this all alone for now because I think we just hit on like four or five (laughs) different podcast, individual podcast episodes on their own. Um, Maybe I'll be back. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll go on a different soapbox another day. A hundred percent. I think we may have to come back to some of these, (laughs) Um, but let's keep moving. Talk to me about an impactful business self-help book. Um, and, And I know that some people like to consume, books via audio, others Kindle or a physical book, maybe even a podcast is preferential, but talk to me about an impactful source of education for you. Oh, you know what? One word, if you don't already know this about me, Nathan is a good word to describe me as obsessive and reading is one of those things that I'm obsessive about. Okay. I always have tangible books on my bedside. I have tangible books in my consoles. I have books on my Kindle. I have books on my phone reading for me. I like to physically read. I like to highlight. I like to revisit those passages. Yeah. I like to be able to take the Kindle and copy and paste and stick it into something I can look at later. Cool. So reading for me is really big. The Science of Getting Rich was probably one of the biggest life-changing books for me as far as like money awareness, the perceptions I was giving to myself based off of lies I had told myself for decades prior about my ability to accomplish certain things. I think that's a good one for anybody in any industry to read to clear your mind on that. Okay. Anything Tony Robbins does always speaks to me, but I'm also, you know, a big heart self-help type person too. And let's see, Seth Godin, Emotion Code, I could keep going, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, any of those, Winning Friends, Influencing People. Um, For me, like impactful business is usually something that has to do with me bettering myself more than just reading a marketing book. I really dive into those type of things that are about how I can better myself. That's good. Yeah. And and I, my listeners are probably tired of me talking about Tony Robbins. Um, I'm a huge Tony Robbins <laughs> fan as well. Huge, huge fan. In fact, I actually have two tattoos um, due to content, his content that I, that I read in the past. Um, that's a story in and of itself, but science of getting rich. That is um, Waddles. Is that right? Wallace Waddles. Uh-huh. Yes. And then you mentioned a number of others. In fact, Haley was probably vigorously taking notes. So Haley, who produces the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Haley. And we'll link to all these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, make sure you take advantage too, because the show notes, we, we link to resources discussed in each episode. They're also talking points from each episode. So it kind of sums up each episode. Take advantage of those. And we'll link to these, uh, these various books in the, the show notes. I appreciate you sharing all of those. Talk to me about an unusual item uh, in your camera bag. This could literally be anything that enables you to be a better photographer, helps you to be a photographer, doesn't have to be a camera or lens. What comes to mind? Well, you might laugh and your audience has probably never heard this answer before in their entire life, but it was the first thing I thought of what is in my bag that nobody else would have. And it's digestive enzymes. And it might sound crazy, but I have celiac. So when I go shoot weddings, they often don't have gluten-free options. Uh, so I always have digestive enzymes so I can actually make it through an entire wedding without being sick to my stomach. So like I said, probably an answer you've never had before, but I guarantee not everybody is rolling around with digestive enzymes. Probably so. not. No, but I mean, the last thing you need <laughs> is to be feeling terribly and then not be able to finish the wedding. It's It's interesting how little actually we talk about health on a podcast that centers around running a photography business, especially for wedding photographers, 
Um, and, and I can speak from experience that are, you know, standing on their feet and, and moving around quite a bit, actually, for 10, 12, 14 hours a day, mm-hmm. shooting a wedding, our health really actually does matter way more than it's sometimes given credit. And um, so I'm, I'm not altogether surprised. But I think that is certainly the first time that we've had anybody suggest that they bring digestive enzymes along. So you stand out. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, like I, everybody has cameras. Everybody has lenses. Yeah. But like you said, I my physical health, if I am not going to survive a 12-hour day, it impacts their wedding. So, you know, I don't want to be miserable either. I'm always prepped. I'm always prepped for the worst. I always have a granola bag that is gluten-free in my bag, but I'm prepped for the worst. If I get there and I want to eat that cake, I'm going to eat that cake. (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) Sometimes there is some really good cake. You know, supplements, the conversation around supplements uh, is is an interesting one. And by the way, I'm not a doctor and neither is Jamie. So let's just note that. But um, at at the same time, there there's a lot of information out there about supplements. Not all of it is is good. I've actually experimented for years on and off with various supplements, and I, literally just today, I put my my uh, portable supplement carrier, for lack of a better phrase, um, back in the closet, realizing that for me for my body, and I've again I've tested these on and off in various supplements, different brands, and so forth over the years. My body tends to to work best with minimal supplement. With the exception of, I had pretty detailed blood work done years ago, and I actually highly recommend this for anybody listening in. Don't just go get a regular physical, but go to somebody who can actually put together a detailed blood panel for you, um, have that sent off to the lab, and and get a detailed analysis of where your numbers are at. It's, it's really interesting, actually, to, to approach managing your health almost like you're a machine, in a sense you are, mm-hmm. um, and where you can actually look, instead of just guessing at what you should do or just going simply based on how you feel, looking at the actual data, the numbers, and what they represent and what they mean as far as the, the the changes that you might need to make in your life. And one of the things that I was told when I had this blood work and what I could see on the paperwork was I was B12 deficient and I was vitamin D deficient. And so I needed to proactively and quite significantly actually uh, supplement with those those two items. And so I do. And so right now B12 and vitamin D are literally the two supplements that I have out um, and that I'll be taking probably more consistently moving forward. But it's important to do to do so intelligently, and I can't recommend enough to find somebody who uh, ideally is kind of has a is a practice based around holistic principles, who still has the medical knowledge, and who can handle getting blood work done for you, the, the results back, and analyze that for you, and make recommendations. Uh, it's all important, especially when it comes to our health as photographers. We need to we need to be able to maintain quality of life and ultimately our capabilities as photographers, physical capabilities. So anyway, I won't stand totally. on that, that, uh, soapbox too long. You and, you and I could go down there together too. I grew up with a <laughs> chiropractor, so okay. my whole life was holistic medicine. And you know, you hit on a key point that I want to back up and validate is having this detailed blood work. There is a, what it's like a documentary out there called the inventor out for blood. Okay. And I don't know if you've seen it It's on Amazon, but her entire approach was to create accessibility to blood work so that instead of it being an overview of your health every three to five years that you had a snapshot that could become like an actual movie and have access to being able to have your blood work and your numbers on a monthly or bi-monthly basis to pay attention to what your body's saying. And there is huge importance to that because a lot of people have the same thing. I do vitamin B12 shots and I don't absorb D because of my celiac either. Mm. So just to, to back you up there, Nathan, there's total, tr- total truth in that. And if you want to go watch a, a 
company implode that had a great idea, go watch The Inventor. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes as well for anybody that's curious. And, and I'll mention to that point then, um, and, and this is just one of potentially many resources. I don't have any involvement. And again, I'm not a doctor here, but just as an example, and I, I, I think most people are familiar with the concept of 23andMe when it comes, in, it comes to looking at our genetics historically and then from a health perspective as well. If anybody has used that platform, they know it's extremely easy to use. It's very user-friendly, and they kind of walk you through the information and explain it to you. It's really great. Um, another example of this when it comes to blood analysis, uh, and it's not cheap, but there's a site called Wellness FX that enables you to be able to get this blood work done and kind of keep tabs, as you were pointing out, Jamie, on an ongoing basis of where your health is at. Again, not just simply how do I feel today, which is certainly important, but not just simply based on how we feel or what we think or what we're guessing at or whatever is in pop culture as of late, uh, but actually looking at numbers, looking at data, and then making intelligent decisions based on that data. That's just one example of a platform that you can use that makes it a little bit easier, more accessible, as Jamie was pointing out. So we'll link to that in the show notes too for anybody curious. And uh, we'll keep moving because we actually have a really loaded topic to get in today. We're going to talk about <laughs> laying a foundation, speaking of health, laying a foundation for a healthy business. And I know that we could go so many different directions with this topic, Jamie, uh, and uh, we're going to kind of go, well, we're going to go a very specific direction. I don't want to give too much of it away right now, but let's just say to begin with, though, it's really easy, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, um, to launch a business and that the launch of that business kind of be driven by the excitement and then the adrenaline of, you know, I finally going to start my own business and I get to do my art. And then what happens over the long run is we, or even in the short run, in some cases, we kind of lose sight of what enables us to build a scalable business that will actually generate a healthy income for us and not burn us out in the process. So I, can you just comment on this briefly before we start talk, talking about principles and practical application? Have you had experience with this? And what have you seen of this in our industry? Oh, totally. I, I think it's probably more common than anything else as far as contributing to burnout is because what happens is most creatives, they jump right into the momentum. You know, they're starting to book, they're getting referrals, things are moving forward, that money's coming in, they feel really good about life until all of a sudden they don't. And so two, three, five years into a business, they have no foundational systems in place that automate or regulate their time. And so what happens is I feel like they get so overwhelmed. And instead of pivoting to create time management systems, because really, let's be honest, like if you're five years in and you haven't done any systems for five years, where do you even start? Like the thought of where to start seems really overwhelming. So they burn out, they quit altogether, or they'll quit for six months or a year. And then they come back thinking it's going to be better the next time. Hmm. And I, I think more than anything that contributes to the reason that we have, you know, quote unquote, a two year failure ratio within photography is because they don't have essential time management skills. Yeah, I mean, the so-called, and it's just a way overused word these days, but the so-called passion only gets you so far, right? I mean, at the end of the day, right. you it, it is a business, or, or I mean, assuming it's a business, if you actually want to generate a living or even a part-time income from this business, it takes more than just passion, unfortunately, or maybe not even unfortunately. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and in fact, this is something we've talked about yeah. in the podcast numerous times probably at this point, that structure and um, an art or systems and art, they're not mutually exclusive ideas. You can have both. And just because you're implementing systems in a business that helps minimize burnout, 
doesn't mean that you then can't also be that kind of free thinking, free flowing artist type. In fact, it enables that, doesn't it? Totally. A hundred percent. Well, you know, it is, it's like you're saying, it's this mental shift in the way that you think about things because people think one of the biggest things I guess I hear from private coaching clients or at an evolve event is that they're all chasing this illusion of balance, right? They, they think that there's something out there. Everybody else has figured out. And so they're stressed out and they're not helping their clients. They're not helping themselves. They're overworked. They're underpaid. They just want to give it all up. Um, but there are systems that can help with that. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's not like I have balance in my life and my home life is is wonderful, but I'm failing at my business or I'm building a wonderful business, but my home life is failing. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be, like you said, cut or dry. You can have both. Yeah. Well, do you have, I know it's it's commonplace to see this kind of thing happening in our industry. Did you have like a, a pretty bad personal experience in this regard or did you kind of learn the lesson quickly enough to avoid that extreme burnout? Oh my gosh, I've learned that lesson so many times, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> you think that I would you think I'd stop learning that lesson. But, you know, I think over time I've learned it quicker. But one of the key points that has really resonated with me that when I start to feel like that, I realize that my priorities and my values are not actually aligned with my goals. So I feel out of alignment with my business. And what I mean by that is like knowing when to say no, knowing when to pivot knowing when I need to reassess my goal based on my personal needs and not my industry driven standards. That for me has helped me find this balance in a different way because we all go through it. It's up and down. We're a business owner. Most of us are solo entrepreneurs. So we're going to continue to cycle in some way of chasing a goal that's not actually in alignment with our priority. I've had a client, actually, it was really interesting. I had a client chasing six figures or I've had clients chasing destination weddings because they feel like that's what they should be doing. That's what the industry is telling them is their version of success. And when we sit down and we really dive into it, in all reality, $15,000 a year completely changes the trajectory of their family's lives. They don't have to be working hundreds of sessions a year. They really only need five weddings or 20 families or you know, whatever it is. So it's taking a hard look at what you value and then setting the goal around that, which then ties into how much time it really takes to hit that goal. Ah, so having okay. that clarity of mind for me has changed how quickly I can pivot in those moments of, you know, utter despair or crying on the floor or feeling like I can't <laughs> do anything or, or, or I need to hire photographers edit cause I'm 40 sessions deep and I don't have time to edit anything. You know, those things have helped me assess that in a much quicker stable way. Okay, but this is good. And 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 for everybody listening in, I, you know that I like to to make sure that you leave these conversations with something practical and applicable that you can take away and go do in your business. I love that that Jamie is starting off this conversation around time around the significance of goals because if we don't have a clear set of goals, what we talk about here on the podcast as a big picture view, then we can we tend to just kind of flounder around a little bit. And by the way, I'm I'm totally guilty of this as well. So uh, this idea of maybe it's exciting to have this business initially, and and that so-called passion is enough to drive you for a little while, but then you begin to react to kind of any and every incoming stimuli, if you will. You're you're haphazardly going about your day or your week 
because there isn't any clarity driving what you do. So it's important to first establish goals. You talked about the significance of values and establishing those goals, Jamie. What did that look like for you? Can you share an example or two of some of the goals that you have that drive what you do? Sure. Well, I have four children. And it's funny that you said reactive because when I feel out of alignment and I feel like my four kids or my family life is not fitting into what my business goal is, then things constantly feel like they're shifting. And I become reactive in my marketing plan. I become reactive in everything that goes forward, which just makes me always feel behind the eight ball. And that's what I did my Instagram post on today, which it'll be weeks, you know, old by the time this comes out. But I actually talked about that reactive versus proactive because it is hard. I have four kids. I'm constantly having to reassess. Does this goal actually fit into what my value is and what I want to contribute as a mother and what I want to contribute to my community and what I want to contribute to my church and all these different pockets that I have quote unquote obligations to it's a constant clarity reassessment, but I do spend time on a regular basis, breaking that back down and getting back to, like you said, the big picture goal when it's open-ended, I could do anything. <laughs> There's just, anybody can do anything, right? It's just, it's totally true. I don't, I don't know what I'm working towards. I don't necessarily feel good about it, but I don't necessarily feel bad about it. It's just, I'm just working to work. Yeah. And, and that's when it becomes overwhelming in the moment when you're like, this is totally out of alignment. That's when that shift has to happen. And I hate seeing people get to that point. Um, but we all do. We all go through it. But it, it starts with not having clarity. And and so, I, again, totally. I want to bring it back to the significance of, of those goals because, um, you know, a lot of times people talk about this. I mean, you use the word alignment. And, again, it's another word that we hear a lot in culture these days, the, the idea, the notion of being out of alignment with our, quote, true self. And, and again, another loaded topic in and of itself. But I think a lot of times there is there is kind of a misunderstanding of the most effective way to approach this idea of what our so-called true self is, that rather than looking for this nebulous true self out there and waiting for it to kind of happen to us and us to feel the spark in the moment and they're like, oh, that, that's, that's who I'm supposed to be, we have an opportunity to actually, again, rather than reacting to be proactive, to decide what we want out of life, to decide what we want for our ourselves individually, for our family, the significant others, our kids, um, and then certainly for our business, make those determinations and then let our actions, our daily actions, our weekly actions fall or be filtered really through those goals that we've set out for ourselves. I think it's so important to understand that we have the ability to choose the direction that we want to go and, and let those choices then determine how we spend our time. So it's really, really important to start with goals. I'm glad that we go there. You talked about how that then determines priorities. And can you expound on that a little bit? What does that look like day to day for you? Yeah, well, you know, as you were talking, I always think of the answer people give you is I don't know what I want. I don't know what I'm working towards. But really, you do. That's the biggest lie we tell ourselves is we don't know. We really do know what we want. Sometimes we don't want to voice what we want. And so when it comes down to me personally reassessing those priorities, it shifts all the time. And I have to give myself grace for it to shift all the time because there are times and seasons when I can't give as much as I can other times in my business when things aren't as crazy at home or I don't have so many obligations that are different than my business structure. But for me, for me personally, and I know this isn't for everybody, but I work really well based off a financial goal. And so if I know what I have to bring in, 
what I want to bring in and how much time I actually have to create that. It helps me create an alignment of structure of time management, Mm. which really comes down to systems and workflow. Let's be honest. That's what a foundation is. It's, it's not me telling myself I'm going to work 20 hours a week. It's me knowing where those 20 hours are going to go and utilizing them effectively. Otherwise, again, I'm open-ended and burning myself out. But when I have that really clear roadmap for me, finances and a financial goal help me stay on track. Yeah, I, I love it. different for everybody. Well, no, but it's what's funny, though, is it, I, I could literally, I'm, I'm going to have to send you a link to my presentation after we get done here that I was actually referencing to you earlier, because um, this is part of the presentation I gave a few years back at, at the United oh, Conference, funny. talking about well, you mean, this idea of a big picture view. For me, what that is at least partially made up of is, number one, the financial goal. And secondly, the the time goal, because, you know, we might be able to make $800,000 a year and that's cool. But if we're working 80 hours a week to do that, then what's the point? So there's a time component involved. We have to decide how much time we do want to spend in order to make said financial goal. There may be some adjustments in a one end or the other in mm-hmm. order to, to borrow that word again, make them align. And, and then that can, again, drive how we spend what we're actually doing from day to day. We can filter out this thing comes along. That's not relevant to this set of goals. I can push that aside. I can say no, I can refer it to somebody else and I can move on. This thing is relevant. This is, I'm going to spend my time right here. And not only is this thing relevant, but it's actually going to move my business forward. I'm going to prioritize that uh, and so forth. We can, we have this ability to be able to filter out with the goals we can prioritize. It's, it's very, very simple concept on a, on a big picture level. And so I, I love that. I'm not the only one saying this. I, I like to have somebody, and I promise I didn't, for our listeners, I didn't go you're searching still in my, out. You're still in my stuff. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa, maybe. Um, no, but I, I'm not gr- going out searching guests to, that will just back up my ideas. I love that, that you're mirroring these ideas. This is really good. So talk to us then about how this filters down to workflow. Uh, because I think it's important to establish the principles, the values that drive what we do. We can talk, you know, pieces of software and workflow techniques all day long, but if if we don't have an underlying set of goals and values and principles that are driving that workflow, I don't think it really is as effective. But now that we've, we're going to assume our listeners have taken the time to do that, based on the ideas that we were just talking about, talk to us about workflow. How can they make changes to their daily workflow in order to avoid burnout? Well, the number one thing, like we said, is to be really honest with yourself about what you love in your business, what you hate in your business, what you're working towards now, what you maybe want to work towards later, and having an honest conversation with yourself about what you can put into it now. Because I think that's a common thing. I've sat down with people and and they'll tell me they want to make, say, $100,000 for the year, but they realistically have 10 hours a week they can put into it. So when you have that conversation first with yourself and you get honest about what you want and what you can do, then you can create these things. I like to call them the touch point method Hmm. of what I do and don't have to touch. What does Jamie physically have to do to make my business run? And what things can I automate that are going to allow me more time and a regular work schedule? So I'm really huge on setting boundaries with my time. I don't shoot Sundays or Mondays ever. I don't shoot November to January ever. I don't shoot July ever. I set those parameters in there. I block out the time to take care of me. That's what's important to me. And then I know with those time off what I need to now build in to hit my goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is, but this goes back to that idea of time, right? The amount of time that we want to spend in order to make the, 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 or in order to, to, well, ultimately to make the living that we want to. Is that right? 
Right. Well, and like having that touch point method of there's so many things. I mean, you and I both, anybody in business, we could spend an hour writing out all the things that we feel we're expected to do. The Instagram engagement, I need to go be a good follower, but I also need to schedule out my posts. And then I also need to answer my DMs. And then in addition to that, I need to blog. And I probably should have a sauna because I need my clients to understand this or my assistant to understand that. We can make this massive, massive list. But the reality is, you don't personally have to do all those things. And not all those things have to be done to hit the goal that you're working towards at this moment. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, okay. Do you get what I'm saying? It it has to be extremely clear to you as, as far as what do I have to touch? There are certain things in my business that only I can do. Hmm. There's other things that I can spend one day and create all my email templates so that they're already in my workflow like HoneyBook or whatever that they use. All I have to do is click and send. Um, I already have my pricing structure in play. I don't have to think about it more than once, right? That's something that somebody would probably spend five hours a week stressing about is their pricing structure or knowing how to respond or how to create a customized PDF. Those are things you don't have to do every single day on a regular basis. You can automate that. Yeah. You can automate your business workflow. You can automate your scheduling. Um, but it is knowing what things you have to personally do and what things can maybe take one day, once a month to run for the next 30 days. So, you know, what I love here is it, we're, we're talking about workflow and, and what this might look like day to day, but you still haven't, I mean, you mentioned HoneyBook and, and passing, but you really not getting into individual pieces of software and little tips and tricks and techniques. We're still talking about principles, which I love because I think, again, we're going to be more effective business owners, certainly more efficient business owners if we're functioning based on principles. So when you're talking about the touch point methodology or approach to how you get work done through the week, the big question number one to ask is, do I actually need to be involved in this particular activity? And number one, you can delegate in order to avoid having to be involved in that activity many times. In fact, I've said here in the podcast before, it's, it's funny now in 2019, if you Google any tasks on your daily task list that are reactive in nature, you can likely either find a service to pay to do that thing or a piece of software to, to do or to automate that particular task. In most 100%. cases, that's the, that, that's the situation. And, and we're lucky to be in an, an environment like that. We need to actually take advantage of that. But it's good to ask the question, do I actually need to be involved? And, and ideally, you know, get somebody else involved in that conversation that can ob- give you objective feedback because it's easy as photographers or as artist types or maybe just as like myself, a control freak in some cases to, to, to assume say, yeah, that, that we have to be involved. And, and that's really not the case so much of the time. I'm still learning that lesson, still learning to delegate more effectively to my team. I have a wonderful team. Um, so that's a good reminder. Do we have to be involved? That's the first question to ask when it comes to workflow. Number two, the significance of automation. And I alluded to this already. I mean, we can You can literally Google that reactive work and find a tool likely that will help you automate that. You talked about email, Jamie, in particular. Are there mm-hmm. other particular parts of your workflow that you're automating? Yeah, there's several that are automated. I mean, like you said, there's we could sit and talk about it in detail. I can take you through what my HoneyBook system looks like and and how I map out my proposals. But realistically, everybody's going to be very different. You have to know and be honest with yourself, like I said, how much time you can put into it and what key parts of your marketing map are the most effective to drive business to you to hit your goal. That is different for every single person. So we can lay out, this is, this is what I do with my 40 hours, but you might only have 10. So for me, automation is a lot of different things and it comes down to not being reactive. It comes down to 
being scheduled out ahead of time. So I don't realize that I haven't blogged for 60 days. And all of a sudden, the next five days, I become obsessed with blogging. It's part of my automation process. So for me, I actually take a calendar and I utilize the same type of calendar every single month. I might change it if my marketing is changing slightly, but I know within a 30-day period which day I'm going to log in and I'm going to do all of my invoicing on the Monday of every single week. I know that once every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month or the last Sunday of the month, whatever it is for them, I'm going to do my blogging or I'm going to put together the content to send to somebody to do my blogging for me. So I have that automated. I have my email templates automated. I do use HoneyBook. They have been a phenomenal tool for me. Like I said, I've been in business for 15 years. So I've used pretty much anything you can think of out there to try to find a better workflow system within the creative industry. And I'm not saying that because they're paying me to say anything. They really have everything in one place. So I have every template I need already automated. My invoices, all my contracts, my proposals, my questionnaires. I know uh, what day the questionnaire needs to go out. It's on my calendar. I have my brochures made. I have my contact form, my emails. Everything's already automated within there. So that's a big one for me. Having that automated changed my business. I didn't feel pressure to answer email five times a day because I knew I answered it at the first of every morning. And my clients knew if you respond back, I'll chat with you tomorrow morning. I already had that system in play. I had that boundary in play and I had my email template in play. So email templates is one I have. If you want tangible uh, pricing structure, I always know my pricing structure that's always in play. And same with anything with my marketing, everything is broken down as to whether I do it or my assistant does it. And we know what we're working on in 60 day increments. Wow, that's great. Okay, so I, but a couple of other ideas here because I, I, I love. I mean, we talked about HoneyBook as a tool, and certainly we'll link to HoneyBook in the show notes. But you mentioned the significance of a schedule, and in some ways, that kind of plays into the idea of automation because you don't have to think about what you're supposed to do next. You know, this is part of the schedule, and so I think that's an interesting idea to kind of correlate automation and scheduling. But it's good, and I, I think what you were sharing is a great example too of not you're not you're not kind of planning out your days in five minute increments. This isn't, we're not talking about micromanaging a day because there's something to be said for freedom and flexibility as a business owner as well. But having blocks of time set aside for particular tasks on certain days of the week or of the month, knowing ahead of time that that is how you're going to spend at that point is really helpful. And then you end up, as you alluded to, Jamie, you don't end up in a place where, oh, suddenly this thing is due and in the last minute, oh, I need to go get this done. And now I'm going to focus on this, you know, all my attention on this for a day or two or three or whatever. And then other parts of my business suffer as a result. So the significance of scheduling is really important. And then, and then I'll add to that. And, and in some ways it's similar, but what, something you were alluding to at the very end there, the, the significance of planning when it comes to workflow. How, do you go about this planning process once a year? Do you kind of follow the, the, the cultural f- phenomenon, which is, you know, it's the new year, the new year is coming up, and I need to plan for the new year? Do you do it on an ongoing basis? What does that look like for you? I do it on an ongoing basis, and it probably could be a totally different topic, but I have a whole morning workflow that works for me. So I call it my morning hour of power. And I start my day every single morning with the things that are important to me. So for me, meditation, uh, revisiting my goals, doing my affirmations, um, those things help me daily stay on task for what I'm working towards. But I do love, I love a fresh start. I love the first of the year. I love going and buying a new notebook and filling it up with all my ideas for the new year. Um, But I very much revisit them on a daily basis. 
And then I set marketing plans on a 60 day basis. That's how I run. We usually know 60 days and I know three and six months. So we go all the way out for each business. So I have a big picture, but I also have a small picture and tangible goals. Yeah. Because it's easier to accomplish a goal if you know what you need to do in a short period of time yes. versus a year. No, that's that's really good. How long does that planning session for like the three and six month goal, kind of the, the longer term planning, how long does a planning session like that take? It depends on which company. You know, if we're working for like I have a photography studio, that usually we sit down maybe once every three months as a team and go over what the studio manager needs to do. That might take us one day. Okay. The things that I do in my personal business, like I said, I revisit those and I pivot. I look at them daily. So for me, I look daily. It might take one Sunday where I've meditated and I just came up with a new plan. It took me one hour. Wow. The things like that that I revisit on a regular basis are in constant motion. But like I said, there are other marketing that I do know what we're working towards six months out. But I've also broken it down into what needs to happen in the next 60 days or 30 days and then week by week. But again, remember my word, I'm obsessive. (laughs) Nathan, I'm obsessive with things. (laughs) So I like to be well organized. No, but it's it's good. And as foreign or as maybe even overwhelming a concept uh, as the, these scenarios that you're sharing may feel to some listening in, even if even if they're doing to do some aspect of it, to implement some aspect of a small aspect of it, uh, even if it's at the beginning of, of each week, taking an hour to sit down and kind of think through the week and what needs to be done in order to move the business forward. Taking little bites right. um, is, is really important because, again, this will minimize that tendency that I think most, if not all of us have, which is to just kind of react to everything that's happening in the moment. And as a result, losing certainly losing efficiency and the ability to be able to, to get something done that's going to move our business forward, that's going to actually increase the bottom line, enable us to accomplish mm-hmm. our goals. This has been really, really great, practical, tangible advice. And and I really appreciate you making time to share with all of our listeners. And I'd love it if you would just one more time share with them where they can find you online. We didn't actually mention your Instagram accounts earlier either. So if you can share those, that would be great. I do want to share one last thing though, before you wrap it up, because I know having listened to people who have been ahead of me, that sometimes it feels overwhelming. Like you said, to think of the systems they have in place, I don't know always where to start. So like you were saying, just make it simple. Really just evaluate what it is that you have. If you have 10 hours a week and you know you have to make $1,000 a month and you know that means you have to work one shoot a week, there's two of your hours. How many hours does it then take you to edit? Does it take you two more hours? Okay, in order to get this session, does it take you one hour of marketing? Like it can be very, very simplistic. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. You don't have to do it all. You just have to have honesty within yourself of what your capabilities are and what you're working towards so that you can have tangible, actual results and not just open-ended hopes and dreams. (laughs) So I wanted to make sure that we left on that note. I don't want anybody to leave feeling like, holy crap, Jamie does a million things. And, And I'm not. I am a control freak. I'll be the first to admit that. But I love having open freedom and time. And I now have open freedom and time and flexibility because I am organized. So if all you have is five hours, figure out those five hours and make it simple. Just start anywhere. If, if I can push back a little bit, even start Absolutely. with what we were talking about, which is, is the goal. So just be very, very right. clear about what it is that you're, you want. I think it's good to start with what we want with our personal lives because that should then trickle 100%. down to the business model that we create 
enable us to set effective goals that determines the priorities that then determines the workflow. We can decide what tasks we actually need to be involved in. And then as a result, what tasks we can automate. And then we can also effectively schedule uh, plan and, and schedule our weeks all as a result of starting with those goals. So if, if anybody listening in, if you've not taken the time to sit down, whether it's an hour or a day or a weekend on your own with your significant other, whatever the case may be, take the time to, to clearly establish those goals. That'll be a great starting point. And then like Jamie pointed out, you don't have to be um, the, 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 the micromanager type. You don't have to be uber organized. You can start with something really simple. Look at the amount of money that you need to make or want to make, how much time it's going to take to do that, and then break down how you should spend your your week uh, or even your day in order to accomplish uh, those end goals. And, and that's a very simple, practical way to go about it. Absolutely. The whole purpose of us doing that, Nathan, is for them to not get burned out. And yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Just know what you're working towards. Make it simple. Figure it out. Know what you're working towards. That's, that's really the core of it. So yes. thank you for letting me be a part of it. No, it's, it's very good. Um, and, and Jamie Finley, photography.com evolve workshops.org. And then what are the Instagram accounts? Yeah. So evolve is just evolve workshops at evolve workshops on Instagram. And then I have a photography account, which is at Jamie Finley photography. And then my education and personal travel is at the landlocked mermaid landlocked mermaid, all one word. Perfect. All right. We'll link to these in the show notes as well, bocapodcast.com or in the show notes in your podcast app. Check those out. And uh, thanks so much for listening in. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. Com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. dot com.